Hello, creative people. Welcome to Creative Conversations. My name is Hollis Citron, and we are so happy that you have chosen to spend this hour with us. So I am owner and founder of I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing, and I am on a mission to expand the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and empower people, especially adults, to own their voice that come in so many different forms. So this space was created to talk with people with all different jobs, hobbies, and interests, and have conversations about experiences and perspectives all centered around three questions. One, how do you define creativity? Two, how do you incorporate it into your life? And three, why do you think it's important? Then we have a free-flowing conversation and we see where it goes. So I have had the opportunity to talk to musicians, Reiki masters, mediums, doctor, lawyer, real estate agents, and so many more. And these conversations explore the reality that creativity is not cute, it is necessary. People have defined creativity as their soul's essence, courage, imagination, basically all that we are and wanna be. So sharing these stories expands one's thinking and opens up self-expression to feel more empowered, connected, and dare I say, happy. My inspiring guest for today is Xavier Smith. Xavier says, I care and I want to help. And when we connect, it will be proven to you. So let's connect and grow from there. My life is placed at your service. I am not fancy, but I am effective. Xavier, welcome to the space. Thank you. Thank you so much, <laughs> Hollis. Thank you so much for having me in this space. And, um, the, you know, despite all the technical difficulties, I am super duper grateful for you being you. Oh, well, thank you. And to you as well. I'm so excited for people to learn more about you. So what I read in the intro was so brief. Can you give them a little bit? We're going to find out more about who you are in this talk, but uh, give them a little bit more information about who you are. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Um, first of all, for those of you who might be listening, I'm Xavier Smith, aka Mr. XL Smith, aka Coach X. And a lot of people say that I have a lot of names, but I only have one mission. I've been sent here to impact, inspire, and improve the lives of others on a daily basis. And how I do that in particular is by, first of all, opening my heart and opening my, my ears to listen, to listen to what people have going on in their lives. And upon them inviting me into their lives, no matter what level, uh, I graciously offer solutions based on the stuff. And what I mean, what I, what I mean by stuff is I had a heart attack at 29 that I learned some lessons from. I was hit by a drunk driver as a sophomore in high school that I learned some lessons from. And the most important driver for my personal life is the lesson that I had to learn about forgiveness. Um, I went through a 17-year imprisonment sentence. I call that my 17 years of incarceration, although I never stepped one foot in a jail cell. The incarceration that I speak of was that of my mind. 
Uh, for 17 years, I was bitter. I was mad. I was frustrated. I was angry at the world because of what I perceived my parents did or didn't do for me. And so because of that, um, I realized that I was not living the fullest life that I was you know, supposed to be living. And so I had to learn how to forgive. And once I did that, and uh, we'll, we'll maybe talk about that a little bit later in the show, but once I learned how to do that and I actually got on the phone with my parents to uh, let them off the hook, that's the moment my life changed. And fast forward, push the fast forward button to now, you know, I use everything that I've gone through uh, to help people, whether it's through personal training, um, nutritional training and education as a health coach, a certified health coach, or whether it's just life skills. Um, I'm trained and certified through Tony Robbins as a life coach. So uh, as you can uh, probably <laughs> hopefully tell, I, I just care and I want to help and um, I want to help on any level that you allow me to. Does that make sense? Oh my gosh. You said so many words in there that I just can't wait to dive deeper into. Like you said, your one mission, impact and inspire lives on yes. a daily basis. Then you said the importance of listening. Like I can't yes. wait to dive in and talk more about that. And then <laughs> forgiveness and talking about being in the driver's seat, like driving your life. Um, yeah. The yeah. word perception and imprisonment and incarceration of the mind. Um, I, I just, this is going to be so friggin' rich. I can't, I can't wait. So let's get this started and we'll start with the would you rather. Okay. That and sounds we'll good. Dive in with the first. So, okay. Xavier, yes. would you rather run 100 miles per hour or fly 20 miles per hour? Oh gosh, that's an easy one. I would rather fly. Would you? I would. I would rather fly at 20 miles an hour because it allows me to go higher, higher than the the problem, higher than, you know, the drama, just higher. You know, for me, that analogy that I just painted in my head when you asked that question was me rising above like ascension. You know, it's just we we ascend to a higher perspective. And it's from that point we can attach ourselves to the frequency of the solution instead of the frequency of the problem. Ah, <laughs> I love it. Well, mm -hmm. and I was just thinking as you were saying that, like it's probably, it is, it's quieter up there. Yes. Oh, so, I got a story for that too. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so not too long ago, um, I did something, you know, wild and crazy, something I'd never done before. And I took a plane ride two and a half miles above the earth just to jump out of that bad boy. You did? You did? How was it? OMG. <laughs> this thing, man, I was like, oh my gosh. I was kind of nervous, kind of scared. But uh, I got up there, you know, it took probably about 25, 30 minutes to get up there to the altitude. And then the first eight seconds was t pure turbulence. Like it was just rushing air and it was going past my ears and my, my, my air, my mouth was getting filled with air. <laughs> I had someone on my back, you know, the, you know, the professional. Mm -hmm. And for that first eight seconds, it's like 
probably like riding a bull. It's just total chaos. But that ninth second, everything just went whoosh and it turned silent. And that silence, I was able to like, I had my eyes open already, but then, then I was able to see from that higher perspective. And it, like you said, it was quiet. Not only that, it was blissful. And from that moment on, I'm like, OMG, I can, I can understand why people quit their jobs and do this for a living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so That's amazing. I'm so glad you told that story. And I love that quote that you just kind of put together and said was it was eight seconds of total chaos. <laughs> because right? I, I think that can be really uh, an analogy in so many parts of life. That when something's happening, oftentimes in transition of whatever that is, it can seem like complete chaos. And then you get to the calm and you're like, whew, whether it's, (laughs) wow, that's turned out so much better than I ever thought. Or, whoa, okay, we're going to have to pivot and change this. (laughs) Like whatever that eight sec, whatever it looks like. But a lot of times in transition that it it can just seem like utter chaos and be very overwhelming. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. And, you know, I, I went through that uh, myself, you know, as a, as a young lad going through my teens, raised, I was primarily raised as an only child. And uh, my mom and dad, they got married when they were kids themselves. You know, my mom had me when she was like 19. Mm-hmm. And then she was chasing my dad, who was like four years older than her. And so, because of, you know, them trying to figure out their lives, plus having me, you know, I got dumped off on my grandparents. And so there was really not not much stability in the earlier parts of my life being going from my mom's single, you know, duplex house back to my grandparents, back and forth, back and forth until I finally ended up with my grandparents for a substantial amount of time. And um, it was during those those years, you know, where I started to develop my own observations, some of my own rules and some of my own protective um, mechanisms because I wanted to be and feel safe. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to dive into that a little bit further, too. But I'm sure you got some more questions. I do. But, yeah, the protective (laughs) mechanisms and the safety, I mean. Gosh, that's what we all want to feel, right? I mean, we want to feel safe. Yes. We want to, it's yes. just a huge part of life. It can show up in so many different ways as anger and oh, it, boy. It, just, it just comes off in so many different ways. But the root of it is um, very often safety from what I've seen. But um, okay, yes. so, so let's dive into this first official question and then we'll get into all this other amazing parts <laughs> is um, how do you define creativity? Oh, man. Well, let me think on that. Take a deep breath. Um, For me, okay, just for me, Mm -hmm. when I hear that word creativity, I think of the fact that we are all born as creators. Now, we go through, we navigate through life, um, especially in our young, formidable years. We just did stuff because it was fun. We weren't worried about deadlines. We weren't worried about worried about the bosses telling us what to do. We just used our imagination and we created our own reality, you know. Uh, so for me, as an adult, I'm doing my best 
to plug back into that spirit, that frequency that I had as a child. So I can create something for the sake of creation itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. As opposed to creating because, you know, we have a standardized test to worry about and I have to, you know, get the best grade that I can simply because I want to get to the next grade. Uh, You know, that's 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 um, that's there's a difference between education and learning, I believe, Mm -hmm. like traditional school. And then there's education. And I I have the misguided concept that once I graduated high school or or college, that I didn't have to go to school and learn anymore. But the truth was school had just begun when I graduated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It's, and you know, whatever way of thinking you, well, first, before I dive into that. So I, I love how you said created your own, how, how when you were a kid, you used your imagination, life was fun, and you created your own reality. Yes. And I would love to hear what you'd have to say with all of your coaching and er- every part of you just to be able to say, well, as adults, don't you think we create our own realities also? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Whether um, we like it or not. <laughs> whether, that's the point right there. You just hit the nail on the head, Hollis, because now- as we get into adulthood, which actually it started back way earlier than that, you know, you're, you're navigating through life. At first, your parents are like, yes, babe, you could do anything you want. And then you get older and society has these rules set upon us. And as you get older, you, you come up with a crazy idea and then your parents start saying, well, I don't know about that. I don't know. Because some people like will tell you right off the bat, Santa's not real. Um, or some, something to that effect. But over the years, you start getting um, jaded because your reality starts getting set in from the people who came before you. And they may be basing what they tell you on their personal experience, whether it's disappointment, heartache, um, you know, just bad luck. And they're really coming from a place of love because they want to protect you, but they don't necessarily know if that's going to be true for you or not, unless you yourself are willing to experiment with it. So uh, you, you definitely can create your own reality as you get into adulthood, but you have to be willing to uh, put that work in uh, to do be or have anything that you want in this in this world because I, I do believe it's possible and I myself I continue to work towards the the person that I am becoming yeah does that make sense definitely does and again <laughs> it kind of goes back to what we were saying before about feeling safe that when um, society places or individuals or whoever it is places these restrictions, and it's mm. like, oh, Xavier, I don't know if you should do that. Oh, Hollis, I don't know if you should do that. They're, like you said, working from their, you know, from their experiences very often or projecting yes. um, from their perspective. In the end, they want, they want to save you from something, mm. from disappointment, from being hurt, from failure, from whatever that, you know, negative perception is. But yes, we have to be willing to experiment 
in order to break oh. free of that. Yes. Oh my goodness. You, you, yes. I mean, you're preaching to the choir because think about it this way. When you want something and you profess it with your mouth and then you prepare for the worst, let me, let me put it to you this way. You can say that you want something. Let's say I want a million dollars, but I'm prepared to go to the poorhouse. Well, the universe is going to give you what you prepare for. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So <laughs> yes, I yes. would much rather say, claim it with my heart and mouth and then pretend like I, like the failure doesn't even exist. Now, that's not to say that you won't have some contrast come, you know, come your way. But that is that is specifically built in to the process for you to stay fast, hold fast to your vision. Yes. Like Thomas Edison, you know, he yes. figured out three different, 3,000 different ways that the light bulb wouldn't work. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. so, you know, I, you, you just have to go back to the forefathers and the, the people who were brave enough to follow their vision. And he's one of them, you know, then there's, a modern day person like Michael Jordan, who's, you know, probably goes down in the history books as one of the greatest players on earth to play the game of basketball. But he had a vision towards, you know, what he wanted to be. And uh, right. he was willing to, you know, do what it took by any means necessary to achieve that. So. Right. Right. I, yes. Yeah. It's holding tight. <laughs> yeah. Holding tight to that vision. And all of the people that go unrecognized in the in the bigger picture of things, yeah, it's dealing, <laughs> going through all the adversity and um, all the I can'ts, and knowing when to pivot, and just being like, yeah, this is going to come to life. I don't know, not knowing the how, not getting stuck on the how, mm -hmm. just moving forward, and like you said, be do have. You have to see it. <laughs> You have to actually be, you have to take the action. You have to do in yeah. order to, it's not like it's just going to come to you and be like, oh yes, it's all going to fall on my lap and just appear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and here's the thing, Hollis. When we were kids, we would put on capes and go in the backyard and that backyard was a whole new world. Now, our parents may, maybe didn't see it or the next door neighbor who probably didn't see it, but to that kid, yeah. it was everything. And so we just have to do the same thing just as a bigger version of that kid. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a little bit more about, um, about this 17 year old, these experiences, uh, because I just think that they're important in your growth where just like these, these big marker points of the um, getting yes. hit by a drunk driver, heart attack at 29, <laughs> being in the military for 10 years, like, Tell us, tell us more about that world, please. All right. Well, it, I guess it all began with, um, you know, me being observant as to where my life was going. And it was probably started as a sophomore in high school. That's about that time where I started discovering who I was and what, what, what I really needed to feel, I guess, fulfilled. Because I would look around, I would observe people, especially at that time of life where we're looking for uh, approval and, you know, looking to belong. Uh, 
I started discovering that I didn't really need a bunch of people around me. Mm-hmm. Like I was okay being alone. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's a, there's a difference between lonely and being alone. So um, we have to understand that there's, that's a distinct difference in energy. But for me, uh, once I discovered that, you know, it was so pronounced, in fact, that my brother, um, who was the gregarious type, he just fun loving guy, loved to have people around him. When he was came to a time when he wanted to say no to somebody, he would automatically defer to me because I had an, I had no problem saying no. So uh, w- through high school, I, I discovered that, you know, I'm OK with not having people around me. Um, however, I was still carrying this story in the back of my mind about my parents. And because uh, I went to a pretty affluent high school and I didn't have I didn't come from money. And so here I am in this well-to-do high school, seeing my cohorts, you know, with the latest and greatest sneakers. And I didn't. Um, I came from a, you know, it was an okay uh, neighborhood, but it took me about 20, 30 minutes on a bus to get to, from my house to the school. And so I just noticed it was a different demographic there. And so I found myself comparing my story with their perceived story. And I was like, man, my parents sucked. And I I blamed it on them. And I did that for 17 years, like through high school into my 20s. I started becoming awake in my mid 30s. And I'm like, wait a minute. My life is I feel I felt like I was at the bottom of the pool with a chain wrapped around my body. And I can hear the music taking place on deck. And I can even see people like having a good time and living their life. But I wasn't. And I wore this fresh out of prison jail. This I just looked like I just got out of prison. And I wore that look on my face like 24-7. Because, Hollis, I had discovered that that face would keep people from hurting me. So my thought process back then was if my own parents can abandon me or hurt me, then what's to stop a stranger from doing the same thing? So what can I do to keep them from even trying? And so the the mean, I guess they call it now the resting bitch face <laughs> nowadays. <laughs> so that look, it worked for me. And uh, there was a few people that tried to break past that veil. And, um, you know, I would consider them worthy of my time and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I was still the one at the bottom of that pool. And then when I hit my 30s, I'm like, I got to do something to change this. I was no longer willing to put the blame on anyone else. And so I got on the phone. I called my parents and I said, I forgive you. And I hope you can forgive me, too. Maybe from this point on, we can be friends. And but I have to live. And soon as I hung that phone up, I felt like I lost 100 pounds. And um, that's when my life changed and I was willing to put the work in uh, to get my life back. And it began with putting the blame on me because I was the problem, not them. You know, so much of that. Isn't it true? It's like really going inside. So many conversations I've have been having with people has really been just coming back to this point where yeah. you have to go in 
in order to be able to connect out. Like just everything that you're saying, um, I think it's so important, the point that you brought up about comparing stories Mm -hmm. um, because we don't know other people's stories. We can, we can come up with them based on looks and ideas of what we think is and all of this kind of stuff. But people put up so many fronts um, to keep their, to keep themselves safe. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I mean, often those most obnoxious people are the most insecure people as we know. Right. Um, The louder, the more insecure. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Uh, And I had discovered, you know, about that about myself. I I was never the bully um, and I was not the pushover. I was just, you know, the one who I intentionally wanted to stay a little bit below the radar so I wouldn't bring too much of the wrong attention to me. Uh, I knew where my strengths were. You know, I I was good with talking to people. Um, I just it was just that bitterness that was, you know, aimed at my parents and then kind of manifesting on everybody else. That was the reason I lost key connections and just lost out on the full fulfillment of my life during that time because I chose to, you know, carry that bitterness story around. Uh, But since then, you know, um, I got, you know, certified as a personal trainer back in 2006, uh, started officially helping people the next year. And then I just kept wanting to go deeper and deeper because I wanted to take people's excuses away. Like um, the heart attack could have made me a victim, but I, you know, when that 29 year old came around and I was, you know, playing basketball as a, uh, at the, I I was, I believe I was at the uh, ASU practice facility when that happened, just getting out of the military. And, um, you know, I took a jump shot and right after that, the, the elephant came in the gym and sat on my chest. So was this a, I, was it a hereditary thing or this is just like a. So it was, we, we always had uh, hypertension in our bloodline, uh, but I didn't know it because you know, I wasn't that, I wasn't the closest to my parents uh, during mm-hmm. that time. So I didn't know a bunch about my family history, but no one else had had a heart attack at that age. Uh, or any heart attack for that matter, as far as I knew. Uh, so, but I can attribute that to the poor eating habits that I had developed uh, as a youngster. Now, if we go backwards a little bit and talk about uh, the environment that I was in when my grandparents were raising me, they came from the South. So everything in the household was fried or you know purchased at a store. And so I developed those poor eating habits. And uh, it just caught up to me because, and here's my thinking back then, you know, I was so active in basketball and such that I thought I could out train my eating habits. (laughs) And so I would go to basketball practice and then I would go to the donut shop and get a dozen donuts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. We forget that we are what we eat. I mean, it's just that basic, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Indeed. And so, you know, year after year, you know, and then my my activity started, the volume of my activity started turning down as I got older. And here I am. With, I didn't change my eating habits, 
until the heart attack came along and told me, hey, this is your wake up call. Something else needs to change. And so uh, I took that jump shot, had the heart attack, didn't know it. So I just pulled myself out of the game and sat on it. That was a Friday. I sat on the heart attack for two days. I didn't go into the hospital for until like Monday morning. What? Because you, <laughs> yeah, Hollis, you know what I thought? I'm thinking, okay, here I am, 29 years old. No way this is, this is a heart attack. I'm thinking it's a case of gas or, you know, <laughs> indigestion or something. So I'm like, yeah, let me just cool it down and, you know, it'll go away. So I got up that Monday morning. I'm like, wow, this something just don't feel right. So my brother took me to the hospital, uh, Chandler Regional Medical Center in Arizona. Because at the time I was on leave stationed in Italy uh, at, in the Air Force at that time. So uh, they checked me in. Doctor comes back 45 minutes later, all this paperwork in his hand and says, Xavier, you had a myocardial infarction. And I look at him. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> so I didn't even know the name, what that meant. But uh, when he explained it, uh, subsequently, tears were rolling down my face. I'm like, my whole life flashed in front of me. And I'm like, okay, this, you know, this, this is, this is not right. I'm not supposed to be in this situation. And uh, so that's when I started making deals with my creator. I'm like, you know, if you see me through this, I'm going to, you know, make it my mission to help people. And it's, it, don't you find it funny that when you're in crisis situation, you all of a sudden want to make deals with your creator? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm not a no exception. I did it. And um, but here's the thing, Hollis. When I started getting the, receiving those orders from above, it came through in the form of impact, inspire and improve. Like so to this day, anybody that will listen to me, I tell them I have I didn't think of that statement. It was something that was given to me. You know, there's a huge difference between having a thought and a thought having you. And so that was a thought having me. And I was like, OK, what does that mean? And then then the formation of my company, Excellent Solutions, came about. And I've been dead set on figuring out how to do that for more people than myself. I wanted to make this about something that becomes bigger than even me. And um, so I'm, I keep walking towards that vision every day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm just kind of like thinking of like all of these things that you just said. And I, it, yeah, it's, we do make in crisis situations. It's so true. <laughs> it's like, we're making deals. It's like, I <sighs> promise if we get through this, if you show me the way, then I'll do this, this, and this. But the difference is there are people that don't follow through with their word. <laughs> and there right. are people that follow through with your word. And you are one of the people that follow through with your word and turn this into a life-changing <laughs> event, which is what's beautiful, which uh, leads us into my next question, which yes. is we've mentioned some things, but... Um, how do you find that you incorporate creativity into your own life? Well, that's easy for me. You know, my life is built upon questions. And one of the things that I heard Tony say, Tony Robbins say when I uh, first got introduced to him, is like, if you want a better life, you got to learn how to ask yourself better questions. So 
I changed my questioning up from victim mindset to victorious. So let me give you an example. A victim would think of their life and all they've gone through and say, why is this happening to me? Because that's what I did. Mm-hmm. But when you have come to the conclusion that you are creating this through your thoughts and your beliefs, and you are able to take responsibility for it, my questioning turned from that to a better question, which was why or how can I use this for me? And the heart attack, the the hit and run drunk driving accident, um, I didn't even mention that I had a pulmonary embolism as well, oh. a blood clot. Yeah. So a blood clot was lodged in my uh, in my calf muscle, migrated all the way up into my lungs and just suffocated me, essentially. And mm-hmm. that left me in the hospital for like in the ICU for about a week. And I'm, I'm, I'm still here. So I'm like, mm-hmm. OK, why is this happening for me. And so I turned that into a lesson. And so that's what helped me dive into getting certified as a uh, nutrition coach or health coach, because I wanted to figure out, okay, if this can happen to me, what, what's it going to, how can I use that to help other people avoid some of the pitfalls that I've already experienced? So uh, how old, how old were you with the um, embolism? Oh, that was like two years ago. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, right. You have purpose, Xavier. You I have, know. You have so much purpose. Like, you are so here. <laughs> and you are. You're living. You're, you're like, you're speaking it. You are just taking action on it. You're showing up. Like, <laughs> well, I appreciate yeah. that. I do appreciate that because, you know, there are some days where I feel like my train has stopped or has gotten derailed, you know, but I, I realize that is part of the process too. So what you're basically looking at or, or listening to in this case is somebody who has determined to keep walking towards the vision, you know? Yeah, exactly. I and have a question for you. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. Please. Have you have you seen that? It's a classic. Have you seen that movie, The Book of Eli? You know, I haven't. No, no of Ooh. it, but I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh, Hollis! You okay? I'm gonna have okay. to. If I you allow me, I'm gonna give you an assignment to watch that movie. Okay. Because, uh, well, first of all, he's played by one of my favorite actors, Denzel, mm-hmm. but his character, he reminds me when I have those bad days. There's gonna be a scene that you will know what I'm talking about once you okay. watch it. Okay. But okay. Um, so I won't give it away, but you have to watch it. And for those listening, he has a vision and he's just going to fulfill it no matter what. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Wonderful. Good. I love movies. Yes. So that is, I appreciate that assignment. Um, well, and I'm glad that you're bringing up, I, I like people to talk about the humanness of things because yes. things aren't, perfect and rainbows and unicorns and da 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 da. we're not (laughs) focusing on the negative stuff and being like well like you said victimhood we are mentioning them to then move forward and say this is the contrast and exactly how you said is 
why is this happening for me, not to mm-hmm. me? Yes. It's There's like, such a huge uh, shift in, in energy yeah. when you, you know, when you start speaking that way, because it will change. Uh, Bob Proctor would say he would use the word paradigm. It would change your paradigm, which is basically a way that there's a particular way that people see the world that they live in. Some people see it through a negative lens. Some people see it through a positive lens. And there's a few people that are in between. Mm -hmm. Uh, But since I bought into the notion that we can create our own reality, that's what I'm consistently and doggedly going to do every single day. Yeah. (laughs) So I love it. I love it. So tell me more about, um, uh, so as we're talking about ways that you incorporate, you know, creativity into your life, tell me about this jumping out of the plane. Is this something that you've been always wanted to do? Or is this something that just came up and you're now the mindset where you're like, I'm not going to hold back. I'm just going to do it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was came by way of an invitation from a friend. And uh, my wife was like, Hey, you want to do this? And I'm like, mm, sure. I mean, I'm always open for something, you know, that's going to scare me a little bit. And um, that was one of them. The next thing I might do is bungee jump. I was just going to ask you, have you bungee jumped? <laughs> no, not yet, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> have you done zip lines? Yes, I have done zip lines. That was, wow. That's fun, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all good. You know, anything that can ch- change my perspective, um, and give me just a, you know, a new way to look at things and, um, I'm all for it. So tell me a little bit about your, um, exercising for yourself too, being, being an exercise coach, being one of that, being, <laughs> you know, one of the many things that you do in your, in the package of everything. How do well, you work that? How do you work that into your own life for you? Well, you know, it's so funny because when I got my certification as a personal trainer, um, my thought at first was maybe I'll go and work for a a huge company. So I, you know, got on the interview path and interviewed with a lot of people who already had, you know, established um, entities out there, the big box gyms and stuff. But I came away from each interview feeling worse than the one before. So at the end of the day, I was like, these guys have a different agenda than I do. So I just ended up using my past experience. You know, I, when I was in the Air Force and I would go to the gym there, it was usually crowded and uh, people were talking a lot more than they were working out. So <laughs> I ended up buying individual pieces of equipment that I saw at the gym and put it in my house. Um, and so I discovered, Hey, you know, maybe I can just do this at my place at, at my house. And I would just open up my place and offer, offer it to people. Uh, and they would come and it just started snowballing from there. So it turned into what we call the Mr. XL Smith fitness dungeon. And that was what, back in 2007. And that every time I do that, it's, it's a, I call it my boutique studio. And I use that. That has helped me get over 145 star reviews because I care uh, and people know it soon, soon after they sign up. But the whole reason I did that is because I wanted to keep myself uh, accountable um, 
And I knew that movement was the key to keeping the body healthy. So um, long story short, I, I did it just to keep myself in check. And then um, it just expanded, you know, because people wanted it. And so I'm like, who am I to stop them? <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. It's like the movie Field of Dreams, you know, build it and they will come. Right. Right. <laughs> but, but what you brought up about a gym and I have to say, I, I'm speaking from. I'm not a, well, mean, mean exercise, but anyway, it, it needs to be incorporated more into my life. But um, you made me think of what my husband has said many times in the gyms because he's been to many and has found one that he really resonates with now. But um, he'd always say people stand around and talk and some people are there for like hours. <laughs> oh yeah. It's either they're hour, it's hours because they're like working out the whole time, feeling like they need to just be there and be doing all that movement. Um, but so much of it is social time. Um, yes. Where they're, just, where they're just hanging out. And he's like, I just want to be able to go in, go out like 30, mm. 45 minutes and just be done. <laughs> Your <laughs> husband sounds like he would be a perfect match. Like if he was in Arizona <laughs> and he, uh, my place doesn't have mirrors. Uh, I only do 30 minute segments and it's been phenomenal, you know, because the people that I serve, you know, are busy. They don't necessarily want to be like bodybuilders and look like they just got off of the cover magazine, but they, they do want to feel better. They want to be more flexible. They want to be stronger in the mind, in the body and perhaps the soul, you know? So uh, I give, I have a mix of just about everything in this uh, thousand square foot facility and it, it has worked. Wow. So wait, <laughs> to tell me, I love that you said that. Tell me about the philosophy of no mirrors. So it's for me, it's about you and what you have asked me to help you do. And, um, you know, I just want to be there and get you to, I want to give you, get you to a place where you can fly using your own wings but it's not about the uh, the aesthetics or anything like that. This is more about function. And so a lot of people, this is based off of some of the feedback that I got from people who have come my way. They're like, the mirrors and other people, they intimidate me. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to create a safe space where it's just me, them, and the work that I have them do. And it starts from where they where they can what they can do. And then we just push them ever so slightly and everyone is different. So that's the, I think that's the huge difference between going to a gym and doing it on your own and coming to somebody like me who can uh, walk with you uh, hand in hand and kind of guide you through, you know, what's going to be good for you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Do you do a lot of group? uh, Do you do group classes and individual or are you, Um, So, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I started with uh, my business with just doing uh, boot camps. You know, every Saturday I would show up at a park and the ladies would show up and I would. (laughs) This is the only time that women would do what I tell them. (laughs) 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 We are are annoying at times, aren't we? (laughs) So bossy, bossy pants. (laughs) <laughs> so it was fun and uh, they, they, they benefit, I benefit. And so everybody wins. And then um, I, when I got my studio established, 
it was more one-on-one or small group, you know, one, two, two. Uh, but now that I'm online, I also have an app that people can tap into. And no matter where they are on earth, as long as they have an internet connection and a phone or some sort of device, I can send them exercise routines or and habits. You know, I can I work with people on developing better habits. Uh, so with the ad- advent of the internet, there are no there's no possible way to fail. Wow! So you have your own app. I do. <laughs> that is that's just amazing. So you are this personal. What I really like about what you said in the beginning was you're a listener. So yes. here you are really listening and observing what people need. And then you can, through this app or whether it's in person or virtual, whatever space it is, you can address the needs, whether it's, you know, physical mindset, nutrition. Yes. yes. I, I, I tell you, I'll tell you that till the cows come home. I'm good at that. What I'm not good at is letting people know I'm not a marketer. I'm a mm-hmm. server. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, have you ever heard of human design? Yes, I have actually. Because it's you should get your human design done. Yes. And, and find out I had it done for me. And I um, it, it's it's interesting. Anybody who doesn't know about human design, I guess the best way that I can explain it is that it is kind of how you how you're kind of made up. It's not mm-hmm. like it's not making excuses for anything. It's kind of owning and just under it helps get a deeper understanding of who you are and why you do certain things. So right. basically, I'm a generator. So in being a generator, I come up with lots of ideas. That's like mm-hmm. one. Of, that's like on a very basic level. That's kind of one of the things which makes so much sense in understanding myself of who I am and kind of reining it in at times because I could, I could sit there and be like, Oh my God, I've come up with this idea and that idea and this idea and that idea. And it can lead me to not getting a lot done because I'm stuck in generating. But if I recognize that I'm a generator, I could be like, okay, so here's this idea. Here's this idea. I'm writing it down. I'm putting this away for later. I'm focusing my energy here so I don't get too distracted. Um, it's just interesting. And when I was going through it with a person and really breaking it down, I was like, Oh my God, that makes so much sense (laughs) because there's one, there's one of them that I don't remember what it's called, where it's basically somebody who's not as vocal, like basically on the marketing end. Um, um, I I forget. It just made, it made me think that I wondered if you fell under that category. So anyway, (laughs) I I probably would. (laughs) You know? Anyway, it's very interesting. Yeah, I definitely uh, should do look into that a little bit more just because I'm always curious, you know, what's the what's the makeup of a person like me or someone else? And because uh, when I went through my life coach training, they, they spent we spent a lot of time on understanding who I was not trying to understand who other people are, but understanding me. And then I have a blueprint on how that that um, takes place in other people, because there are six basic human needs that everybody on Earth is under the influence of. Mm-hmm. And once you once you discover what those are and how that person is driven, it's usually one, two, and in some cases three 
components that a person is driven by. And once I can understand them at that at that level, uh, then it, you know, hopefully it opens the door for for more if they are ready for that type of work. Hmm. Can you give us you don't have to maybe give us all six, but could you give us like three of those basic human needs? Okay, so let's talk about uh, the first one, which is um, variety. We, each and every person on earth needs a little bit of variety in their life, whether it's, um, you know, somebody who jumps out of a plane or somebody who, you know, wants to, now I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum on a negative aspect, somebody who wants to, who needs money. So they decide to rob a bank. Mm -hmm. Well, they're actually uh, fulfilling that need for variety in their life. So in, on a more extreme level, obviously, Mm -hmm. uh, then there's, then there's another human need that is for certainty. Like that's why people get up and do and go to a place that they dread because it actually pays them So they feel a sense of security by going to a job that they hate Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, they just want to feel secure Mm -hmm. and they just haven't tapped into how they can make themselves secure without going to a job that they hate. Mm -hmm. And then uh, another one would be, you know, something like um, connection or Mm -hmm. they would say connection slash love because there's a lot of people who confuse the two thinking that they're in love with someone when all all they're really trying to do is get a connection with them. Uh, so, you know, those are some of the three big factors that people are driven by. And when I can help put the spotlight on some of those um, driving factors and help the person see how they're driven, then it unlocks a lot of, I guess, mysteries to their own life. Because yeah. a lot of people are living by default and not living by intention. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so freaking powerful. Oh my gosh. So much deepness going on. It's yeah, well, it's kind of like if people are willing to be vulnerable, um, there's so much vulnerability in this. But yeah, what were you gonna say? I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, you know, I hope I gave your listeners a a little bit of a tease. I I do want to make people curious, but yes, Mm -hmm, I I mm -hmm. think the time, especially in these days, we have to get back to being okay with being vulnerable because I think that's where the growth is. Um, I used to live my life jaded and um, protective and I was the one that was losing out. But, you know, the world has and society has taught us to, you know, be defensive and, and be skeptical and stuff like that. So I'm just trying to create something that's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're doing it. So, oh my gosh, as we're getting to the top of the hour. Uh-oh, so the yeah. third the third question, which kind of like ties it up and wraps it up in a little bow with all these things that we've kind of touched on already. But so why do you think that creativity is important? Oh, man. Well, <laughs> we can just open our eyes and look outside at our current situation right now Uh, because we have two, it's like a fork in the road. We can go down the road of, you know, being driven by fear or we can go down the road of the unknown and practice more of our faith. Mm -hmm. You know, faith that 
things. I do see, I personally see a better day. I'm personally thankful and I see the world as, you know, as it needs to be. I don't think anything is broken. I believe that some thought processes might be a little bit broken, but the universe and this globe, this, this, this thing that we live on, this planet is not broken. Um, we just need to understand that this day right here is an opportunity for us to rise higher. Like we began the show with, like when you asked me what, would I rather fly at 20 miles an hour? Hell yeah. Because that way I can rise and attach myself to the frequency of the solution. And when more of us like you and me and the other creators out there start to do that, Oh boy, look out world. It's about to change. Look out. Oh my gosh, two things I just thought of while you were talking. One is just silly. My uh my daughter, 18, she's just like, Mom, we just live on a rock. Like, what is this? <laughs> we just live on a rock. I'm like, well, yeah, it's kind of true, actually. <laughs> she's like, why do we take things so seriously? I'm like, I know. Um yeah. So whatever metaphor, however you want to look at that, she makes me laugh when she says that. But um, <laughs> recently I heard someone yesterday actually saying, which was she works with dolphins and whales. And um, she was talking about how they've been around for millions of years. And when you look at the human race, basically, we've been here for like 250,000 or something like that or whatever. Yeah. She's like, we're basically babies. <laughs> you know, compared to, you know, how long so, so much of these other species have been around. Um, right. So we're, we're growing, we're evolving, we're, it's a constant, one would hope we're constantly expanding. Yes. Well, I think if I may, I, I think that's inevitable. However, some of our thinking you know, gets us to believe that we're not, or, you know, some of us might think that we are, but I believe that the growth part of that is inevitable. But when we start making conscious decisions to tap into that consciousness and do something with it, that is where the magic happens. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's so much of what we've just talked about is really yeah. conscious owning it, you know, forgiving um, and whatever that looks like. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, very, being very conscious. Right. Yeah. Because that way you can, you can actually start to see that I can drive my world. I can drive my own personal experience into something that's better for myself, better for my community and better for the universe as a whole. But um, you know, we, we can't go through life wanting it, wanting other people to change, it has to come from within. Yes. <laughs> uh, Xavier, thank you so much for spending this hour chatting with me and us. Well, no, thank you for having me on and just letting me be me. Oh my God. I love it. And I love all that you're doing and um, just truly grateful. Can you tell people how they can connect with you, please? Well, the easiest way, and I'm just going to give you a disclaimer, um, I am revamping my website, but it's still there for people to tap into. But it's not the prettiest thing right now. It's okay. Uh, going back to our real conversation about, you know, the humanness of things, uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always evolving. So I'm working with someone to change that. But you can always find me at MrXLSmith.com. Mm-hmm. And that's M-R-X-L-S-M-I-T-H.com. And what's great is you do things. I mean, there's every aspect, either in person, virtual, through an app. Like, there's so many ways to work with you. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, like, I want to I really want to emphasize that I'm here to listen first. Think about how we were designed, Hollis. We were designed with two ears, one mouth. So that tells me I'm supposed to listen twice as much as I talk. I love that. <laughs> not everybody knows that, but yeah, in the sense of nobody, not many people take that to heart, but we have two ears and one mouth. Right. Man. So, okay. So before, <laughs> before I wrap this up and say the goodbyes, is there any words of wisdom that you feel like you're, you want to share right now or. You know, I, this is funny that you asked because I, I just posted this as a uh, last sentence on one of, one of my posts on Facebook, but it's this. Remember to have fun with life, because if you're not mindful, life will have fun with you, and it's usually at your expense. Mm. (laughs) There we go. Perfect way to end this wonderful hour of chatting. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So thank you to all joining us live, those catching the replay. This space is all about inspiring each other, connecting and sharing stories. I believe we've always needed this, but I think we need it now more than ever. So (laughs) please like, follow, share, share the goodness so we can lift each other up and just remember that, you know, we're all in this together. So wherever you are in this world, I wish you a good morning, a good afternoon, a good evening, and look forward to connecting again soon. So goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Feeling inspired? There are so many ways to do things for you, to get yourself moving, to get your creative juices flowing, and to have fun. Check out I Am Creative and Express Yourself Publishing. Go to IamCreativePhilly.com, IamCreativePhilly, P-H-I-L-L-Y.com, and check out the experiential kits, check out Creative Shui, which is all about creative inspiration and guidance, and for Express Yourself Publishing, there's so many multi-author book opportunities. So I would love to chat with you so much. Everybody has, everybody's creative. Everybody has a voice, everybody has an expression, and I can't wait to meet you. Thank you so much for taking this hour to listen to our stories and share the energy, and I wish you a wonderful morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in this world. Bye, everybody.